Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. All right, we's recording, so I'm going to do this. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hello, you two. Tis old grey whiskers pestering you again. Right you are. Here we go then. Now if your listeners don't like them, their advertisements, things what keeps coming up on your chats on this new fangled sort of wireless program, all they got to do is pay for it themselves. A couple of quid a show will keep our Lucy and our Royfield out of them their food banks what we hear so much about nowadays. <laughs> so go have their Patreon, what sounds like a load of colonials all getting uppity, but it ain't, and they'll take your cash to pay for all that their technology thingamajigs. Just think about it. A couple of quid for an hour or so of chat and chuck it to yourself. Tis cheaper than going to the picture palace any road. Lucy, mm-hmm. are you sure you're in fine fettle to be able to do I, this show? <laughs> Everyone's I mean, worried. It's I'm 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 in fettle. I'm not saying it's fine, uh, but I'm, I'm in it. <laughs> Folks, this is Dumbly Dum, the show about the reality darky drama that has centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the jailbreaker. That is Roy Phil Brown, and with me, I have the immediate speeding ticket. That is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Frexit, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumby Dumb was from our Matt Stone. And I think we're going to retire it now. Uh, but I, I 
you know, that, that just means so much to me. Mr. Stone, I thank you. You're a genius. Uh, mixing together uh, Mr. Fingers with a touch of the uh, Barwick Green. Now, Lucy, mm-hmm. any one of our callers would like to send us in a dum de dum How can that be done? <laughs> oh, dear. You see, yeah. you see, <laughs> you see. I was all right. This has taken, this is my fault, chaps, that this is also late this week. And also my computer's just gone down three times. So my, my um, Nurofen is now wearing off. So <laughs> I was all right when we started. Um, <laughs> if you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203-0313-105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Uh, thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dogs, Shambridge for her brilliant voices. Mike Hatton for his character counts and to Derek, learn in the back bedroom. Uh, Derek has, uh, like a lot of us, been caught out by the return of the wintry weather and said he was surprised this morning with a good six inches. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, well done. That, that kind of caught me somewhat unawares because uh, <laughs> I was actually gazing at some, some, something else and uh, that gag was a little bit shorter than I thought it was going to be. Uh, but uh, but it was a What good were you six gazing inches, at? So, uh, I was gazing at... Um, something on the socials you don't need to worry worry okay. worry a little pretty head about it uh, but um in related dum-de-dum news i just thought i would like to uh, big up mary and christina because they're they're doing a toronto meetup lucy on saturday april the 13th and they've got 18 people coming so far with six coming from out of town and one person josh who was a caller in uh some some a few weeks ago is coming all the way from philadelphia so he's flying into toronto uh just uh to go to the dundee meetup wow if you uh can get to southern ontario to toronto uh, and you fancy, <laughs> on a whim fancy, yeah on a whim uh, and you fancy coming along or why don't you yeah. <laughs> You're still not 100%, are you? Not really. Carry the on. things you do for Dum De Dum. I hope people fully appreciate you, you know, Lucy. Anyway, <laughs> um, why don't you contact Christina? Now, on to, on the Twitter, she is at Saturn Express, or you can email her where she's Pink Peonies. That's Pink P E O N I E S 2013 at gmail.com. So it's Pink Peonies. 2013 at gmail.com or you can text her on plus one two zero six five nine five one two three two so we're having we're meeting up in the kensington market neighborhood having some pre-drinks and we're having dinner at trinity common and then we're having some after after uh, dinner drinks at cold tea it's all whippy do and it's going to be lovely and there's going to be loads of people going so if you can get to toronto uh, for Saturday the 13th why don't you come along but tell Christina that you will be there also now there's a bit in red Lucy this is all yes. very exciting with people in the UK <clears throat> uh, Dumpty Dum Live Saturday the 11th of May at 7.30pm Saturday night with us what more could you want um, you have to pay 12 quid for the privilege of Saturday night with us, but that is a mere <laughs> trifle, surely. More entertaining than us, obviously, is the fact that you'll be having a night out with Emma Grundy. Mm-hmm. Parish councillor and Grundy wife extraordinaire, so good she did it twice. Emma, played by Emerald O'Hanrahan, is rapidly becoming a listener favourite. More entertaining than one of Bert's poems, tastier than a Brookfield lemon drizzle, and way better than Jolene at the ball. See you there. 
last year we did have a whole Dumdy Dum weekend. I've kind of condensed it down into a day this time. There is a BBC tour which is going to take place uh, to the BBC Mailbox Studios. So you can go around and see where they actually do the archers at starting at 3 o'clock on the 13th. I'm sorry, on the 11th of May. Now, to book your ticket for that, you need to go on to dumdydum.com and uh, go and hit book. And then I am organising dinner, uh, which will take place at about 5.15. So that'll be before we do the Dum Dum Live. So haven't exactly got details of that. Um, I've got a few uh, irons in fires with various places wait, waiting for, for places to come back to me. So if you want to come to Birmingham, come, come to uh, Dum Dum Live. There will be other things you can do. You can go along to the BBC tour, as I said. You can book those tickets now. There's only 25 places. And I know that this morning we've already sold five of them already. So they've only just gone to sell now and five already gone for the BBC tour. It's 15 quid. You get to go and see where exactly they uh, create the magic that is the archers. And then there will be more spaces for dinner, which will be just before we do Dum 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 Live. So um, look out for that on Twitter, on Facebook or on our website for uh, information about dinner. Now, one thing I will say is that the whole Dum Dum weekend uh, was a great success last week. It's a bit of work to organise, folks. So that's the reason why I haven't done hotel stay. However, if you are travelling from afar and you and basically you say, Royfield, if you could sort out a hotel for me, um, I will do that. I will organise up to, let's say, 10 um, hotel rooms. But only email me if you're really serious about doing it. Then I will get a block booking. Okay? There is nothing planned for the Sunday. It's just a case of if you just want to come up to Brum, have a drink, enjoy yourself and whatever, I will do a block booking book to, for up to 10 people. But email me if you're very serious about it, then I will do it. Okay? So that is a dum de dum day which is Saturday, May the 11th. As Lucy said, you got dum de dum live details there. Uh, there is also the tour. You can go and book your tickets uh, to go around to the BBC studios. And there will be dinner. Hmm. Right. And with all that out of the way, on this week's episode, we hear views from James, Isabel, Stephen, Ellen, Andrew, Jean, Lucy, Andy, Monty, Mia, Nigel and Abby. But first, before all the caller inners, it's our Lucy in a week in Ambridge. We began the week debating whether Freddie would want French toast or kippers for his homecoming breakfast. I say, make him feel right at home by giving him porridge in a tin tray and poke it under his door <laughs> while insisting he poos in a bucket. <laughs> Overprivileged little twat. The entire Archer family had their usual low-key reaction to something entirely normal. I mean, Freddie only nearly killed his cousin and sold illegal drugs, which as a result nearly shut down his mother's business. But Lily's doing telesales. Obviously, <laughs> as Freddie has just emerged from jail, Kenton isn't talking to Russ, Josh is winding Alistair up like a barrel organ, Shula's having another midlife crisis, and Dave is not talking to Kenton. Jill declared this was the ideal time to get the whole family together for Mother's Day. Jill is 183 years old. When will she give up the idea that shoving a load of people who don't get on very well together when they spread across an entire village around a cramped dining room table is going to make anything better? Her answer is always to throw food at it. 
Like Brian sprays <laughs> 20s like a geezer when he's in the shit. Jill hurls calories about. Give it up, woman. Just because you got up at 4 a.m. to make Duchesse potatoes does not mean your family will start to like each other. The bloke from Buffy popped up again via hearsay uh, to book his granddaughter in for a christening that the parents knew nothing about. Mr. Vicar, as Toby winningly refers to Alan, realised he may have made a bit of a boo-boo when he went round to Rickyard and found Rosie playing with an inverted cross and sitting in a pentagram on the floor. (laughs) Toby, or Mr. Twat, as Alan calls him, uh, seems strangely (laughs) reluctant to commit to renouncing the devil and all of his works. Could I renounce the devil and just some of his works, Mr. Vicar? Ambridge's answer to Meghan Markle and Prince Harry are disintegrating like a veg box left out in the rain already, pleasingly. Natasha's dad was a communist, her mother was a Methodist, and her auntie Neris was the first Welsh woman on the moon or something. More interestingly, (laughs) Sausage Boy has realised Natasha has a debt roughly the size of Venezuela's and a somewhat cavalier attitude to it. He discovered she has two credit cards. Apparently two wedding dresses and a shoe habit like Imelda Marcos. Oh, Tom, you didn't tell me your sister had stabbed her husband with some custard. And I forgot to tell you I had an appalling credit rating, which meant I could never have got the absolutely massive bank loan we've just taken out. Oh, this was after they trotted round to Bridge Farm. Like two little yappy puppies telling everyone about their new app. I have to say they've got a bloody good app team. I've worked on apps before, and by this stage, the tech team, usually a bloke called Duncan in a Nirvana t-shirt, has only just finished scratching himself. Never mind got the graphics uploaded. I'm not going to bore anyone (laughs) with the detail of putting this sort of thing together, but it takes fecking months. But still, this is Bridge Farm we're talking about, so probably it's just an A4 piece of paper they hold up that says app in crayon, and the rest is all pictures they've cut out of magazines. It'll pay for itself in no time, said Tom heroically. Has anything ever sounded more unlikely? Lily and Russ continue their somewhat combative relationship, which seems to swing between love and hate in the length of one sentence. Of course I haven't told work that my brother's just come out of prison, you idiot, Russ. Oh, a picnic, you are so lovely. Leonard, although now the owner... Oh, excuse me. Leonard, <coughs> although now the only voice of sanity in the loony bin that is Brookfield, cannot recognize a robin. It's in that bush, hooted Jill. What's a bush, said Leonard. He's supposed to be painting a horse for Shula, and I'm really not sure his knowledge of the natural world is up to it. Just paint. <laughs> Leonard, just paint Shula with a slightly smaller arse and no one will notice. And while we're at it, for God's sake, don't reduce him to Pepper Pig or he'll go into a nervous decline. But that's a sheep, isn't it? Isn't it? Josh had a photo shoot with Adam's tractor. That's it, love. Just look at me. Wink and let one of your tires down. Give us a quick flash of your exhaust. There's a good girl. Um, Love Duggle of Lovell James went round to inspect Adam's premises and said he was a bit leaky round the back, but otherwise sound. Love Duggle is a Geordie. Everyone knew has to have a regional accent now, otherwise we'd have no sodding hope of figuring out who was who. He broke into Alistair gently that he was going to have to flog subscription packages. Get one dead horse and another one free, free rubber glove with every worm inspection, etc. And salesman of the month gets a free quick... Ugh. Get one dead horse and another one free, free rubber glove with every worm inspection, and salesman of the month gets a quick 10 minutes with the AI kit. And then we move on to Frexit. (laughs) I can't believe that even Elizabeth is that unaware of her total lack of interest in her daughter, depression or no. It was a somewhat tense journey to the prison, and Elizabeth reminisced about the twins' childhood. 
Freddie wore the Pargeta christening gown. You wore the Archer christening gown, Lily. It had bits of silage down the front and a crisscross <laughs> pattern of the milk yield figures in biro across the bottom. <laughs> All of us that were hoping Freddie would have somehow learned a lesson and sound rather less irritating than before were somewhat disappointed to discover he sounded breezy as anything. Not a shade of the Shawshank redemption about him. If only he'd had to paddle through a tunnel full of shite behind a poster of, of Tracy Horobin while Morgan Freeman said thoughtful things in a voiceover. But no, the same old hooray, the same old doting mother and the same furious sibling standing by the side of the road while they drove off without her. The end. Oh, that was a triumph this week. And considering you did it all at the last moment, you had some proper gags in there. <laughs> well done. So in between you, your dodgy chest, and you basically getting uh, get, getting in the all together for your photographs with... Uh, with <laughs> who took those photographs of you? Let's not talk about that. Oh, no, but I, I, tell, I tell you what, dear listener, um, I did not get a lovely photograph of our Lucy <laughs> in a calendar girl's <laughs> reprise, shall we say, with a mug. I was like, <laughs> when it came to us. There are some others coming that are sensible ones of me with the mug. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, to be a photographer. Mm -hmm. uh, so in between all of that, you still found time Uh you know, to, to do your monologue. So I, I applaud you, our Lucy. I hope the good listeners appreciate everything that you do for this podcast. I'm sure they do. Thank you very much. I'm sure they do too. Now, <laughs> uh, normally we'd be chuntering on about things that uh, happened in, um, in, uh, in Ambridge last week, but no time for that because as always, we've got too many calls if such a thing can be had, but we've got it. So I'm going to do this. Hello, Ambridge3962. First off, it's James. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. Uh, James here, first time caller in a I'm 19 years old and therefore potentially, uh, as a university student, not not your average Archers listener. Um, given I've been listening to the Archers for just over a year now, I think I'm some kind of toxic waste infected salmon <laughs> in the river Am. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah. Thanks to Brian for that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just want to say, love the podcast. I started actually listening to The Archers after I was diagnosed with depression. I don't know why. It just helps me. Maybe it's a nice escape from the real world. Mm. Genuine question. Where's Linda? Obviously, after, after her pantomime success, the triumph that was the Canterbury Tales, she's disappeared. I can't help but worry that she may... Maybe writing another pantomime. This would concern. <laughs> I really can't be asked. Keep up the good work. Oh, thank you for that, James, and welcome, uh, welcome to the gang. That's a good point. She hasn't been around for ages, has she? No, she hasn't. No, she hasn't. But I must admit, I'd forgotten until he'd, he'd actually said. But mm. it kind of shows you the kind of the somewhat cyclical nature of how some yeah. characters are actually used you know they have their own moments to shine and then they kind of like disappear mm -hmm. and of course linda is always the run-up to christmas yeah then invariably it's the the village show yeah um so she gets about a, a may outing april may october november 
And um, I think maybe for good measure, the thrower in in September, I don't know. But yes, I hadn't thought about it, James, until you said that. But uh, Mm. well spotted, sir. I think even Linda wouldn't start writing the panto in Easter, would she? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know she she likes to, you know, pre-plan. Oh, God. That's depressed me thinking about the pantomime. Anyway, no, never mind. Let's not dwell on that. You and I are the only two listeners of the archers that don't like the panto. I know, I know. Other people love it. It's weird. We're so unrepresentative. We are. We should probably stop doing this. Mm, I feel like some like remain uh, voting MP in Parliament. You know, it's like <laughs> you know, it's not the will of the people. Everybody else loves the panto. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on from James, it's our Isabel. Hey, Dumpty Dum, it's Isabel here. At if we had any ham on the twitters, mm. I'm not phoning with a plot prediction. I'm not phoning to sing you anything. I'm phoning because I was very impressed with Russ's Adam impersonation the other week, and I've been working on mine. So, what's the time, Adam? I don't have the time. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, sorry, it's Isabel again. I forgot to do the admin. I'm a hazel woolly. So you better play my recording, otherwise I'll threaten you vaguely with something. Or maybe I'll show you one of my grubby adult films. Ooh, I probably won't. Cheers, (laughs) bye. Now, now Lucy. Grubby adult films? What's she on about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was about to ask you. Because when Hazel Woolley kind of was first in The Archers um, as Jack Woolley's nasty daughter, I Mm. wasn't around. So Jack Woolley comes into it in, I believe, like the late seventies, in the seventies anyway. So then I presume, and he comes from Birmingham, doesn't he? He's like the the you know this businessman. Yeah. He's made his money in yeah. Birmingham, and he travels down to Ambridge. So I presume that his daughter Hazel then comes in somewhat afterwards. And I remember her in the eighties, but I don't remember any storylines, and I don't remember her being evil. The evil ha- Hazel Woolley that we all know and and despise. For me, is a much later kind of construct. That, but I just can't remember any storylines from the eighties. So, you don't know anything about this um, no. adult video. Isabel, thing you have to ring in again and tell us. Yes, uh, Isabel, ring in and Cosmo, please enlighten us, please, because you 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 know all this stuff, sir. So, mm. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> all right, so it's uh, dodgy chest, and now <laughs> the, the, the sniffles. Yep. Right. You know, if this was a, like a proper show, you just would not be allowed to broadcast right now. They would just say you can't do it. No, I would be. I, if I breathe heavily, I'll infect you all. I'll try and exactly. put, I'll our, wear a mask. Our standards are so low, we'll accept any old shit yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wheezing, any, any limping invalid will do. That's fine. <laughs> I have to say, I'm not blowing smoke here, but Isabel doesn't sound nearly old enough to have remembered Hazel Woolley being in Mucky Films. I agree with you. But the very fact mm. that she said she was a Hazel Woolley means that she's looked back at the chronology and yeah. she knows when she came into the show. Like, and I must admit, I, I haven't. I don't go back that far. I'm Marjorie Antropus. I'm like 84, mm. 85. This is pre that. So, mm. But she did. you, you do sound young as young as a spring lamb mm. so good good for you good for you isabel now uh we're gonna move over to the upper lower east side 
but it's not our New York Nigel, it's Sheila Maggs. Hi, Lucy and Royfield, Sheila Maggs on the Twitters, although as you know, I'm really not on the Twitters. I've been a bit behind on my dumpty dum. Dumpty, 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 dum. Oh dear! And so sorry that I'm late in responding to Lucy about Patrick Stewart. Yes, I do live a block over from him, and see him around the neighbourhood. But I haven't chatted with him. The wine at the Norwood Club must have infected our discussion. But my partner, <laughs> who's a small dog walking and boarding company, talks to everybody. Has chatted with him, and she's really hoping he'll board his little poodly woodly doodly thing that he walks around the neighbourhood with. <laughs> um, but I'm afraid we're we're both adherents to the New Yorker rule that you never mention, even if you chat no. to somebody famous, that they're famous and you never kind of invade their privacy in any way by stopping them or talking to them on the street. We have a few famous ones in our neighbourhood. Steve Buscemi lives up from me and we've actually had run-ins over the years with Al Sharpton and, um, oh my God, I'm forgetting he's really famous. In any case, a number of famous people, but of course... <laughs> But we've never said anything. I'd love to get Patrick Stewart over to my house. And we've been plotting and scheming about dropping off invitations to him. But none of us have ever managed to do it. So I'll bear that in mind. I'm, um, and, you know, I, I'm sorry I can't be more helpful. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of really over these days, the bloody archers. Um, I mean... They're really getting on my tit ends, a phrase I use with great choice. You know, it's such a what we would call in the lesbian world a heteronormative environment. Yeah. Everything, including our gay couple that we are so kindly allowed to have, is so heteronormative. And I know the BBC knows better. Look at Serena on Holby City. I'm turning into a Holby City fan because the archers, you know, I'm really kind of over it. All right, but I am still listening because I can't help it. Bye. <laughs> oh. I was going to say, you're on the wrong bloody podcast if you've stopped listening to The Archers, Sheila. But I'm very, I'm very glad that you're still listening to us. <laughs> Do you remember way back when, like early, early days of, of Dum De Dum, somebody admitted that they listened to Dum De Dum and they didn't listen to The Archers? Well, quite a few people's other halves, I think, listened to us without listening to The Archers. But that's kind of vicarious listening yeah. to the archers. But I'm trying to remember who this person was, and they said, "Don't listen to the archers. I like this dumpty dum thing. I'll, I'll listen to that." <laughs> right. So if you are that that's person perfect. or somebody um, who's also in that boat, uh, please let us know because I'm going to create an award for you or something. I don't. I don't know what that award is. The peculiar use of your time award, probably. <laughs> yes, and I'll send you a T-shirt or something. <laughs> Uh, so that's Sheila Maggs. Um, heteronormative world of Ambridge. Discuss. Yeah, but you live in New York, Sheila. The, you know, nine-tenths of the UK is heteronormative. And I, I think it is representative of what it's like in a in a small village, maybe. I don't know. Um mm. There is a real sense that with Adam and Ian, that they're and and I and I get this and I understand it that their sexuality is a mere detail and doesn't really colour them at all in terms of not scaring the horses. So mm. you can just you can listen to it and say, well, they're just like us type of thing. They are, you know, no, um, they're not like a, they're more boring than us. 
Well, no, it's exactly it. And, and we talked about this before. So actually what they have done is to say that the, the, this is a couple. They're a boringly normal couple. Yeah. And Ian is still in his 40s and Adam is ju- just over 50 now. You know, I don't know anybody in their 40s as dreary as them. <laughs> I, I genuinely don't. <laughs> You know, they never talk about going away on holiday, having weekends away, doing fun things, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it appears that they are th- this construct of a cup of a gay couple not to scare Middle England. So uh, but I, I kind of do agree with you, though, Lucy, that in large part. Most people are boring and. <laughs> So, but this is just they are even more boring, (laughs) and and I understand um, if you are part of our gay and lesbian brethren that you might say the whole thing is just just reeks of um, let's say uh, a nineteen eighties kind of sitcom in terms of the dynamic between the couple between between the couples and the majority of them are heterosexual, but that is kind of the the general demographic, uh, you know, of the world, and. There is a reason why, one of the reasons why there aren't many gays in the village or many people of colour in, in villages and stuff is because generally people like that get stifled by the conformity of, mm. of village life and, and travel to cities. Yeah. So in, in lots of ways, this has to be a relatively accurate portrayal of, you know, the diversity or lack thereof it of an English village. And especially if you're thinking that, that fundamentally most people there are farmers, you're not going to have people who are second generation immigrants in any great number being farmers because it's kind of it's it's an it is an inherited business you know so there are reasons why Ambridge is pretty white and stuff and and pretty straight and those are universal societal ones I would say that's I don't know that's off the top of my head Sheila so I don't know uh, <laughs> shall we move on to our Auntie Jean? Actually, can I just say though oh, about the Patrick Stewart then. thing? Don't don't give it a second thought, Sheila. It's absolutely fine. But uh, <clears throat> um, I was listening to, as you know, I like all my old comedy, and I was listening to uh, Bob Monkhouse talking about Tommy Cooper. And Tommy Cooper used to travel on the tube. And um, Bob Monkhouse said, "You can't travel on the tube. You're, you know, you were on the Royal Variety performance last night." And he said, "This is London. No one will say anything." And he was absolutely right. But he said, the second you go out of London and you go on the train or the bus, whatever, people stop you and say, can I have your autograph? And um, Mm. we have the same thing here, I think, that kind of, yes, I know you're famous, you know you're famous, and we've entered into some sort of tacit pact that we're not going to acknowledge that. Um, And when I was in New York last, Ted Danson ran past me in Central Park, and I Mm. kind of did this stifled, woo! (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> I was excited and also thought, ooh, mustn't, mustn't bother, mustn't bother. So, you know, I sort of did this sort of quiver, which was a bit ridiculous. But anyway, but yeah, so we have the same thing, Sheila. So I can completely understand why you don't want to harass the poor man. Thank you very much, William. How do you think he'd have responded if he'd heard your voice? He'd go, ooh, is that losing from Dumpty Dum? And then pretend <laughs> yes, I'm like sure it. that's what I all right, here's our Auntie Jean. Hello, everyone. Auntie Jean here. Hope everyone's well in Dumdy Dumland. Bit of a late <coughs> caller in her this week, uh, but I have a few pronouncements. Oh, good. Uh, you would never know, would you, that Sheila's running a riding school by the way she wafts around the village talking to everybody and having time for life drawing classes and karate. I don't know how she does it, frankly. Uh, it must be the fact that she's a saint or something. Um, 
as for Nasher, if we don't discover that she has got a humongous amount of debt elsewhere that mm. she cannot repay because that business isn't doing as well as everybody thinks it is, I should be very disappointed. Uh, she's I wouldn't say she's a wrong one because she seems nice enough, um, but she's obviously got no idea about money and Tom is going to find out the hard way, isn't he? Mm. Well, he already is, to be fair. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, and just a quick word uh, about Will. Everybody's down on Will. Um, I know Mia is coping with a lot in as much as she seems to be sort of bringing Poppy up, and that's wrong. Um, but Will, remember, has lost his wife in tragic circumstances, and I think he's still grieving. And, and it's, it's difficult for him because they're girls and not boys. Mm. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and he's always going to find that difficult. Um with Mia's period, he found it difficult, didn't know mm. what to do. With bathing Poppy, he probably feels too awkward to do that. Now, somebody is obviously going to need to step in, but I think we ought to just be a little bit kinder to him mm. um, because it can't be an easy situation at all, uh, especially since he's quite backward in his thinking as well, bless him. Anyway, I'm nearly at the end and I don't like to get cut off in my prime. So I will speak to you again <laughs> soon and I hope everybody's well. Um, bye bye for now. Bye. Bye. Can I just start? Because it's not often I disagree with our Auntie Jean. Um, I hold her, I hold you in very high regard, Auntie Jean. And, uh, but I disagree with fundamentally two things that you said. I think though you can never put uh, a time span on grief, this has been a year, and as Mia pointed out to Will on the anniversary of their mother's death, they're grieving too. He's not the mm. only one. He is the grown-up. He is the adult. So I think it was this week's episode, uh, but I'll mention it uh, just to illustrate a point that we know that Mia is 13, and she says, Will, what do you want for tea tonight? She's mm. cooking. Mm. I'm sorry, but no, right? Mm. Like, as I said before, you can't put a length on grief, but he's the adult. He needs to step up, full stop. Mm. And then the other thing, Poppy's what, four, five, three, four, five, something like that. Um, he, It's his daughter. Whether her mother is there or not, he should be able to bathe his own daughter. I mm. I'm, I've got no business with feeling funny about bathing your three, four, five-year-old mm. daughter. Ten-year-old daughter? Mm. Yeah, maybe. Not at that age. Mm. So I'm sorry. Um, no, but <clears throat> that's you. We're talking about Will. Uh, uh, and yeah, you know, it is me. And he is Could you imagine Ed bathing, of... uh, bathing a three-year-old girl? I, I, Luce, I don't understand it, full stop. Right. Really? I'm not I, I seriously do not understand how a father mm. cannot bathe his daughter, who mm. is uh, a baby, a toddler, a small child. Mm. Eight, eight and nine. OK, yeah, fine. Right. But not at that age. I just don't understand it. Mm. And I would argue with any man that says I can't do it. It's mm. bullshit. It's mm. not we're not all Jake, you know, Jacob Rees-Moggs and mm. whatever. Yeah. And we say, oh, this is woman's work. Yeah. You know, the nanny or the mother does this crap. You know, it's, it's 2019. Yeah. You can bathe your daughter. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just well, like, until that, until pathetic. that, until, um, no, I agree. And, but until Will has that <clears throat> epiphany, uh, he needs to get a nanny or an au pair or something, doesn't he? 
Mind well, you, just, if it's an au pair... Just need to get them in the 21st century, yeah, you'll see. but that's not going to happen. <laughs> if, he's, if it's an au pair and she's coming to England to learn English, Ambridge is a terrible place to go. <laughs> 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 yeah, Lexi didn't last long, did she? I know she that wasn't exactly an au pair, but yes, she did try. Um, and Auntie Jean, uh, yes, I agree with you about Natasha, although she, you know, she does sound sort of, you know, she's not an evil psychopath. But Natasha is, to me, as I said last week about things being aspirational and, um, um, you know, she sort of epitomizes that. To me, she is... Uh, that the total style over substance, it's all about how she looks, this false front of how she looks, how she portrays herself, success sells success, blah, blah, blah. You know, the the, um, the impression of success sells success, blah, blah, blah. Um, and there's absolutely nothing there to back it up. There's nothing there. Um, mm. You know, we don't know whether her building, her, building, her um, business is actually doing well or not, she's trading on one award that she won. Um, <clears throat> you know, lots of businesses can have a good year. It's if they're still going six years later. That's the that's the sign of a good business. Um, and uh, it's she's she's like she as a character. She is the epitome of um, why startups fail and shows like the apprentice and all that where it's all about marketing it's all about bollocks it's all about um uh this this false front which is a combination of kind of just blind ego and image and there's actually nothing there there's no you know when you say when you meet people and their job description won't fit on their lapel badge and when you say to them, what do you do when they can't tell you, then is that that sort of thing, you know, or they describe mm. themselves as an entrepreneur and you say, well, what have you done? And then they just start this massive story about all the things that they've started. And you think, well, what are you still doing? Oh, no, I just start things that, you know, ugh. So yes, Natasha is that, I would say. Mm. So then she's somewhat uh, of a perfect companion for tom in that regard because tom has always been about the next new flashy idea yeah but she's a disastrous companion as a couple they're a total disaster because mm. the one thing that tom did have was parents that reined him in and said you can't do that that's batshit um and now helen's too distracted to stop him and he's just blindly following he's just so desperately seeking something tom is um and, you know, everything is the answer. This is the answer, the definitive answer, not, you know, this is just an option. This is something to think about. Everything is like jump in with both feet immediately. And this is it. This is going to save the world. I don't you know. You know, how dare they talk about, you know, are we going to share our expertise with the rest of the world, you know, with this fucking app? You think you haven't got any expertise. You haven't done it yet. You have expertise when you've been doing it for five years. Goodness. You what? feel quite strongly about this, don't you? Well, I do. I just... <laughs> <laughs> it is the epitome of the... Mo and I sound very old and crotchety, but this mod thing where it's style over substance. And just because mm. you present something doesn't mean you are that thing. One thing I would say, though, about this whole app thing, because you remember we had Drew from Tokyo. Um, yeah called in, I think, about three weeks on the trot. And we speculated about this, and so did Drew. 
that the very fact that they're scaling this up, that they're going to white label it, it then does make sense as to, at least on the on paper, mm. you know, it makes sense as a business because we all said, wait on a minute, to have an app of any level of sophistication, um, which is going to do what they want it to do, they can't afford it, or at least it's not sustainable in mm. terms of the amount of customers because they're a little, yeah, you know, ragtag bobtail yeah. farm yeah. in the middle of nowhere, yeah. right? So at least they they forward slash scriptwriters have actually thought about this because it made no sense. Yeah. So I will give them that, Tom and Natasha, and also the scriptwriters because that just didn't make any sense at all. Um, but yeah. So as somebody who's been a little bit entrepreneurial in the past, and arguably I still am d doing this, um, I do doff my cap, though I'd like to think that there's a little bit of substance to, to uh, my lack of style, Lucy. I don't want to say I'm style, <laughs> but, like, but, you know, I, I, I was feeling that you were you, pointing your finger at me to, no, to a certain no, degree. No, 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 no. All right, all right. Good, okay. Because, uh, though I do kind of quite agree with you though actually i've always found that the importance that people put on their jobs is actually inverse to the real importance of that job you know doctors yeah. don't go around going oh yes yeah. I, I saved somebody yesterday and x and y and z yeah. and there's this time this tricky <laughs> on me and whatever, whatever. There is, so i'm a doctor boom uh, <laughs> you know? yeah whereas people who develop some fiddly app actually say yeah. it's going to save the world yeah in about no. 15 years' time, once we've yeah. ironed out the glitches. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of what I'm doing. My little app is going to revolutionize the world and save you doing X and Y and Z. There's a lot of that over here yeah. in, uh, yeah, in Silicon I'm sure. Valley. You know, everybody's doing something which is revolutionary. Yeah. Anyway, uh, on that uh, stunning note, it's, uh, it's Ellen. I believe she might be a first time caller in her. I don't know. Ooh. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Ellen, the vet from Glasgow. Um, I think I'm a third time caller. Oh, in third that. time, sorry. Um, it's been ages since I called, but I always mean to, uh, and then I get scared, and I never get around to it. So this week I decided <laughs> to pluck up courage and call to talk about the bridge palm arch. I know we spend a lot of time dissing them, um, mainly because they're just exceptionally irritating human beings. Um, and as a result, sometimes we're probably a bit unfair to them. But I'm getting so no. angry every time Pat or Tony or Tom says, Helen seems to be very quiet at the moment, or Helen mm. isn't herself at the moment. And then they just move on. Three years ago, your daughter was imprisoned for stabbing her abusive husband. And as a family, they didn't notice that abuse or they didn't know about that abuse, which is understandable given Rob's skill as an abuser. But given this history, why, when Helen is notably distant from the family... Um, she's had some kind of relationship with a new man, which admittedly Pat doesn't know the details of, but she knows it didn't work out. And just to reiterate, this is her first relationship since Helen Helen's had since she stabbed her rapist husband. Yeah. Why, given that history, would you not be really concerned about Helen? I would understand if they were saying, Helen doesn't seem right and I'm worried about her, but I don't know how to approach this or I don't know how to help her. But as mm. far as I can see, they just keep noting that she's not right. And then either concluding it's because some cows are about to carve or because her cheese isn't right <laughs> or just moving on altogether yeah. and going back to passively, aggressively discussing Natasha. I just find it baffling and immensely irritating that given this long history that Helen has with the mental health struggles and the terrible abuse she suffered very recently that they're not being more proactively concerned about her. 
anyway, that's all I've got to say. It's very much annoying me. Um, love your work. Thank you. Mm. Could not agree more, Ellen. Absolutely. And the thing that annoys me too is the fact that still, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I know everyone says this every time there's an issue with Helen and Henry. They are having no ongoing therapy. Mm. Henry would be being uh, watched by the school uh, because of what's happened. Um, they would be they would be given a care pattern, a care pathway, and there is nothing. There is nothing. Um, Helen is just trying to deal with it all herself with her useless parents, you know, getting it wrong, and um, and is repeating that pattern by you know rather than talking to Henry about what's happened, she's just kind of rescuing him from every single stressful situation um, that he finds himself in because she's too frightened to admit the fact that he might be damaged by what's happened. Um, It's so unlikely that, I mean, I don't think she's outright rejected all forms of therapy from her and Henry. As far as I know, it's just assumed that she was never given any options, which I don't believe for a second. I'm sure she had them in... Uh, in prison um but i just don't believe um uh, you know that that i mean helen is not a moron even if she doesn't want therapy for herself she would think it would be a good thing for henry i think Mm, she absolutely would and actually helen being helen she actually would uh submit to therapy because um she would want to talk and explore her feelings with somebody who she thought wasn't wouldn't be judging her yeah she absolutely would the one thing you could make a very strong argument to say that she wouldn't want to do with her mother or with somebody in the village with Kirsty, let's say Mm. but with a professional helen absolutely would she absolutely Mm. would so Mm. yes this is um somewhat of a, a plot hole in terms of um you know the uh post-traumatic care would of she, Helen though? and Hang Henry. On, would no, she? she because would. she would. She is so kind of um, perfectionist and everything's fine and I can handle it, I can handle it, I can handle it. I'm Helen, not sure she would for... I'm not she sure would. she would for her. She would for Henry. She would, Luce. She would. Mm. She would. If somebody was uh, a professional to do with... Uh, psychological and emotional care she would entrust in that person because she would say you you are not going to judge me you're going to help me and I can talk to you this is I will be in a safe space to talk about what's happened and the way that I feel she's been very reticent to talk about her with oh god what's his name uh Mr White Shelto's uh Lee Lee thank you she's been very reticent to talk about to Lee and about Lee, though Kirsty kind of teased it out of her and mm. Emma has worked it out, that makes complete and utter sense. He's still traumatised about the whole the whole experience. But the way that Helen is and the way that Helen trusts professionals, I, I, I can't conceive of how um, a scriptwriter would say, Helen, Helen Archer being Helen Archer, would not go and see a therapist. David Archer, fair enough. Ruth, Ruth Archer. Hmm. Mm. Right. You, you can go through all the characters and you, you can kind of guess where they would be. Helen absolutely would. I just think in that script, in that script writers meeting, 
they've just they've just missed it. They've just gone. You know what? We did. We just didn't think of this at all, because she's totally ripe, and and she would. She absolutely would. Um, in my opinion. In my opinion. So that's Ellen. How about Stephen now, Lucy? Shall we have Stephen? Yeah. Shall, are you sure? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Lucy and Royfeld. This is Stephen from Manchester. I'm a first-time caller in or out. Um, I think I'm a George Grundy, because the earliest thing Ooh. I can remember is Ed coming back from foreign parts with an American girlfriend and visiting Will and Emma at Casanueva, and I think George had just arrived. Oh, yes! Anyway, what has enraged me enough to want to call you this week is Alan, because <laughs> he is such a rubbish vicar. He never says yes. or does anything to suggest he actually believes in anything. It's so rare he even mentions God or Jesus at all. But that scene this week with Shula sitting in St Stephen's, where they talked about contemplating in the quiet or something, neither of them actually could bring themselves to use the word prayer, which is what you'd expect yeah. them to do if they actually believe yeah. in anything. And yeah. when Shula said that faith was more than just social work, Alan actually laughed, because I've been screaming that at the radio for years. <laughs> And then there was that painful scene with Pitt when she told Alan she didn't know what she believed. Surely his job is to actually explain it to her or help her or sign her up for an alpha course or something. But all yeah. he basically said was that it didn't matter if she stood up in church and said things she didn't believe as long as she was nice. And then, oh, don't get me started on Mia and everything else. So, <laughs> frankly, I'm appalled that Ben has got more integrity than Alan. It's a damning indictment of the church in Ambridge. Um, that's all for now. Thanks for all you do. Bye. Bye. Goodness, he's bloody right though. Mm. That was that was that was a ridiculous. Oh, hello, Basil. Basil's just wandered up the garden to join me. Hello. Um, yes, that was ridiculous. They de- they're very kind of cagey about. So it's funny they'll do it in terms of a sermon. Alan will talk about God in a sermon when we hear a part of a sermon, and it's normally you know um, at the start of a you know we hear it goes all echoey, and then we hear um. Alan saying, we are gathered here today, da, 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 da. Um, But they won't talk about, you know, prayer or faith or belief in God or, you know, love of God or anything like that in any of the chats that he has. And of course he would have those chats with Shula, who is extremely religious. Um, and well, he seems to be so... she goes to church, Lucy. Yeah. Well, yeah, that is being religious, isn't it? No, it's not the same thing at all. Shula well, no, goes no, to no, church, no. and how hateful was she about Usher? Um, yeah. You know, Shula is hypocritical at best, right? She goes to church. I don't know how religious yeah. she really is, but anyway, that's just me. As you were. Um, yes, there is this kind of sheepish. When he said, oh, oh I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. Mm. And she said, oh, I was just, you know, you I don't think the vicar would, if someone, if the vicar comes into the church, that's what he means, I think, when he says he's a crap vicar. Because when the vicar comes into the church and there's somebody sitting there in contemplation, you don't go up to them and go, all right, how are you? You know, you you leave them them alone. Um, And uh, yes, it's, yeah, it's very, very odd. I completely agree, Stephen. Yes, I presume you are something connected with the church anyway for you to feel uh, quite so... uh, annoyed about this but yes i agree he's a rubbish vicar i i kind of feel like i'm on well well, i am on the outside of this kind of conversation but and i'm and and i think there's nuances all the way around in the whole 360 of this because 
at its heart, I believe that uh, the Church of England does slightly apologise about the fact that it's um, an organisation yeah. wrapped up in religion. It feels uncomfortable yeah. about it. Yeah. So yeah. for yeah. me, Alan's attitude is quite uh, it's quite normal in that regard. It's a case of oh yeah, we, we do this thing in a church, but let's not mention the church. Yeah. And, you, know, <laughs> you know, we don't need religion to make a fuss. You know, it's not yeah, the be yeah, all yeah. and end all. You know, <laughs> and, and and actually, what Alan is. <coughs> is the social worker of the village. We all know mm. it. When Nick died, he swooped in and he did his Alan thing and he was, you know, caring and sympathetic and empathetic and all of those things. And he's seen as, and he is the, the conscience of, of the better angels and stuff. And he is a, an emotional guardian. So him speaking to um, Clary about Mia a couple of weeks ago and stuff. So, so he does do that. Alan always feels that he's injected into the calendar, the calendar of events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, the yeah. thing. That's yeah. the thing with Alan, right? Um, so I do understand, uh, Stephen, your frustration but for me, um, questioning faith and not being dogmatic about it is actually really quite healthy. Well, yeah, so, they, <coughs> but Alan is so far away from being dogmatic. He's, you know, positively laid back in that he's deeply uncomfortable talking about God, which well, is a bit of a disadvantage when you're a vicar, I would say. Well, Alan is an interesting character in that he's a man of the cloth but he married somebody who was not of his faith and it's one thing um you know in the secular world you know you shrug your shoulders with that wouldn't you you say well so what but if you profess to believe that um him upstairs is the only uh, and Christianity is the only true path to salvation, et cetera, et cetera, through his son who gave, who gave up his life for us, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Not to diminish it, but just get, get into the crux of it. And then to <laughs> I think get probably by saying yada, 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 you have slightly diminished. <laughs> <laughs> then, Skip to the end. Back to life. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but then to marry somebody um, who not only does not believe in that, doesn't come from that tradition, but is of another faith, even though they don't practice, mm. has got to be unusual. Yeah. So I, I believe that Alan, Alan is some wider ecumenic, oh, I can't even say the word, ecumenalist, isn't he? That he kind of really believes that all the world's religions are just different pathways to the same truth. And so, but, but I hear what you're saying, but this is a wider C of E issue for me, Stephen. Anyway, you know what? There's a little bit of a uh, bit of philosophy there, Lucy. I was going to uh, say this is a wide-ranging podcast. It isn't. Let's go, hope go. someone lowers the tone desperately <laughs> in the next call. You know what, Andrew Horn? Our hopes all rest on you, then, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, Earthlings. Andrew Horn here. I'm just ringing about the uh, return of uh, Freddie, and I understand why Lizzie's excited about him coming back. I'm sure any mum would be i think though uh I've, i feel also for lily um it's so obvious that freddie is the uh the favorite one always has been um and i guess there's part of the he's the heir 
um and um the, even though they're twins uh so he he has the um preeminence that way for, in terms of the inheritance but i think actually what drives it is more uh in freddie she sees nigel and that's her yeah. link to nigel is freddie yep. and uh lily isn't um and that's tough on her and that's a real shame but just that's the way it is um i think that's really all i was going to say this week so speak to you again soon bye mm. spot on she doesn't relate to lily because lily is so different to her um she does relate to you know when she was talking about nigel she to um russ she was basically saying my husband was thick as mince, wasn't she? <laughs> you know, that's kind of ultimately what she was saying. But with huge affection, she looks at Lily, who sort of appears to be competent and successful. Admittedly, she's copped things up a bit recently, but, you know, so she doesn't really relate to her because she doesn't feel competent and successful. Uh, but she looks at Lily, at, at um, Freddie and thinks, yep, that's not, I know who that is, that's Nigel. And she's she's replaying the same, she's allowing uh, Freddie to be the sort of the happy idiot in the way that Nigel was because why wouldn't he be you know mm. he's he's sorted for life anyway yeah but the the, the key difference is that Nigel had a conscience <clears throat> didn't he in a way that yeah. Freddie doesn't and I do think that the whole re-emergence of Freddie so far has been, has been absolutely delicious because he he seems to be Freddie more so but on steroids like he's even yeah. worse he hasn't come yeah. back with his tail in between his legs saying, you know, I've thought about things, deep yeah. contemplation. You know, I sat in the corner of my cell for 23 hours of the day thinking of all the things I've done wrong in life. And yeah. He's just like, rah, rah, rah. We're off to smash the oiks just like yeah. before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, which, which, I, which I think is absolutely great because that's what we were expecting, weren't we? You know, yeah. a, a denuded Freddy, so to speak. Yeah. But absolutely yeah. not. You know, this has not seemed to have bothered him at all. Uh, anyway, thank you for that, Mr. Horn. Um, now it is again the lower upper. Is it the lower upper east west side, Lucy? I don't know. You always ask me, like I know. All I right, can't then. find me ass with both hands. There's no point asking me. I, I bet your photographer could this morning, though. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did like that picture. Oh, anyway, uh, <laughs> let's talk about it off mic. Here's New York <laughs> Nigel. Hello, everyone. It's New York Nigel here with a quick word about the baptism meeting with Mr. Vicar. Now, I know Pip wants to avoid it because of the whole grace thing. So she was a bit offish about the idea of a baptism to start with. And Jill will very likely flip a flapjack when she hears about it, wondering why they haven't <laughs> named her after a great gran. But Jill, as pretty as the name might be, is a bit like Nigel, to be honest, not the sort of name you'd want to bestow on today's aspiring middle class baby. And I just wanted to make two points about faith in the archers. Firstly, Ooh, I think Toby is just a general prat. So his patronising manner with Alan is typical mm. of his tone with everybody. Though I'd be interested to know, to know if he calls other professionals Mr. Accountant or Mr. Doctor uh, yeah. in the same superior way. Uh, that defensiveness around religion is typical of one of those rugby-playing chaps who end up converting yep. and becoming a muscular, Bible-bashing evangelical Christian. And unfortunately, Christianity, like many other belief systems, doesn't automatically stop you from being a prat. Uh, I thought <laughs> Alan ended up handling the interview in a very fair way, especially since he's the neighbour of everybody involved and not a vicar in a large city. Uh, secondly, the topic of religious belief in the archers is a gross generalisation 
organization seems to be very class-based. The middle classes are often religious because of convention or tradition or bourgeois mentality, and morality, christening gowns, bring and buys, shula, for goodness sake. They can also afford to be dismissive and superior about it. But the lower classes often have a bit more conviction. Think of Clary and yeah. Bert Fry yeah. and Mia with Junior Church, etc. I'm just glad I don't have Alan's job, as I've probably have bumped off a few of the characters in the first category <laughs> a long time ago. That's it for this week, and happy wooden anniversary. Oh, thank, thank you for remembering our anniversary there, New York, Nigel. Hmm. You never took I, me out for dinner or anything, can I just say? <laughs> Whatever, Freeman. No flowers, no nothing. Actually, I've sent you flowers before. You have? A few, a few years ago. Now. Three years ago. <laughs> and I sent you a dumpty dum mug about you two did. months ago. Yes. What more do you want? And I sent I sent you a Superman, Iron Man, whatever it was. Captain America. Decal for your, for your laptop. Captain America, yes. which is yes, now on, on my other laptop. You, oh. you need to send me that again. Okay. All right. Awesome. <laughs> uh, How come this conversation started off about, about you giving me things and now I've just agreed to send you something? How did you do that? Uh, because I is clever like that. Yeah. Mm. Um, I thought Nigel's observation about uh, the proles and their belief in God was an interesting one, and I hadn't thought of that. Mm. The, the one he's character... right though. I mean, Clary, Cl- Clary, Clary gains genuine support, and I mean, God knows she needs it, but she, she you know, d- d- support and 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 strength from. The church. Mm. Yeah, and comfort. Uh, yeah, whereas no, everyone I, else, it's just a bit of a tick box exercise. Yes, yes, done that. We no, know he, we know the roast potatoes are done when the sermon finishes, while everyone else times it by mm. the arches, but of course they can't do that. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's a little bit harsh to do with Shula. Shula does find something from it. It's just that she does, doesn't then take the tenets of what she's been told in that sermon and then live her life like that. No, though... Shula, you get a real sense now she's separated that she doesn't feel as liberated not being with Alan as she thought she would. So whatever cage, whatever box she's in, it's of a construct of her own. It wasn't to do with the marriage that she's actually in. And I think it's really instructive that she doesn't apparently have any pals, does she, Shula? What no. her, her friend is her role in the church. It is going to church. That's her yeah. comfort. And and then by proxy, then it's Alan. Yeah. So I think that's a little bit harsh about Shula and, and the church, though. Do you know, I Nigel is wider. quite a scary vicar. Don't you think Nigel I, is a scary vicar? Lucy. When he said he'd have, <laughs> he'd have murdered some. What? Lucy, I said this ages ago. I don't understand how Did the you? man is a vicar right now. <laughs> He's so caustic about it. I'm like, <laughs> but you yeah, but he's just so quite feisty about his parishioners and, and things. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You'd, you know, you'd bloody cough up into the collection plate if Nigel was peering <laughs> at you over the pulpit, wouldn't you? Get your visa card out. Yeah, yeah I'd tithe and some more, Lucy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But gosh, keep uh, sending those calls, New York Nigel, because <laughs> you, you are not fun. Right now, uh, there, that's New York Nigel. And uh, we still have some more caller in us. This is Monty. Hello, Monty here. I just thought I'd give you a quick call about uh, this week's episodes. Uh, First of all, um, it's relieving to find out that the Bridge Farmer found another bad business person to get on board. Um, Anyone who (laughs) thinks that 
running up 15 grand's worth of credit card debt over three cards at those rates of interest. Uh, obviously, it doesn't understand the first thing about business. Yep. So that's refreshing for a minute there. I thought they were going to have somebody on board who knew what they were doing, but it's it's good to know it's all smoke mirrors. So uh, we can all breathe easy again. <laughs> Uh, secondly, Alistair, poor Alistair, he's now going to have to have a sales target to, uh, to, uh, to adhere to, and that is definitely not up his street. It will all end in tears. I think we can all see that coming. Um, and lastly, um, Ed and the sinister Tim. Tim could hardly be more sinister and, 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 unless he wore a cape. And went more <laughs> at the end of every line. Uh, it's clear that he's up to no good. He's obviously some, got some sort of gangster stuff going on. And I have a plot predict, prediction, which is that uh, Ed and Emma will lose the house or come very close to losing the house, at least, through some shenanigans with mm. Tim. Uh, yeah. Probably he'll ask him to do something which is uh, borderline illegal, if not illegal, and it will all come out. And as a result, the offer will be withdrawn uh, I said that I thought they were going to lose it last time um, I was on or two two times ago and you poo-pooed it, but I can really see it happening. Okay, mm. thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Bye. Mm. Bye. I think you're right, Monty. We have to back down. Yes. I c- he's much too... And also, <clears throat> Ed's getting a little bit chippy now. Um in the way that he wasn't before. He always used to, it's weird. It's, it's quite interesting. He always used to regard, Ed would always regard himself on a level with Adam or um, David or whatever. He wouldn't do the touching the forelock thing mm. that uh, um, Will, uh, that, 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 that Will does or that Bert does or any of those people. He was always quite sort of matter of fact, practical. Yep. That's what I'll do. I get on with it. I'll do, you know, do a good job, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the more he spends with Tim, the more he's identifying the gaps between him and them and, um, the, the inequalities and therefore is becoming more, um, I'm not saying <clears throat> this is a bad thing, but because I don't trust Tim, obviously none of us do because he is as he's wahaha as as Monty says. Um, then he's becoming more kind of likely to be led down a path that he can justify through some sort of class action business rather than uh, actually thinking, do I want to you know cheat Adam? Do I want to cheat? Do I want to? Because the next thing will be that he'll leave. Um, <clears throat> he'll leave home farm, won't he? He will leave BL and go and go and work for for Tim full time or something, and um, it would just be such such a shame. But you can hear it changing slightly. Mm. You know, he was more um, aggressive with uh, Justin than he needed to be. I'm not saying Justin didn't deserve it, but he was slightly. It was a different Ed. Hmm. True that. True that. I, I hadn't even noticed that vis a vis Justin. But um, I did think, what are they setting up with the whole Adam and Ed thing? And I didn't think of Tim mm. at all. Um, for me, it was, I just thought this was, I just thought it was a really instructive scene in that we know that Adam has, is neurotic anyway. We know that. And Adam it, is being really weird at the moment, isn't he? Mm. And, and I just thought it was more to do with Adam than actually Ed. But the very fact that Ed then goes and, um, you know, confides in others about his kind of frustrations. I should have twigged that this is actually about Ed as opposed to Adam. But I, I didn't make that link whilst listening. Uh, but mm, well done, Monty. Well done, Monty. Yes. Uh, Lucy, it's your namesake. Guess what her name is? 
Royfield. <clears throat> yes. Hello, Royfield and Lucy. It's Lucy Jordan from the Twitters here. I started listening back when Jack was building flats for social housing and Sharon was somehow involved, having been homeless. But So that's a long time now. But anyway, Tom and Natasha. I'm wondering, is this a 21st century version of Pat and Tony? A young, independent woman with views at odds with her sporty, conservative husband. Tom and Tony are both happy in their own lanes and obsessions, tractors, sausages, and only change when pushed by said independent, intelligent young women. Anyway, just a thought. Bye. Bye. I I think that's exactly it. Yeah. And and we did talk about this a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? That they're just Mm -hmm. the modern analogum of Pat and Tony. What's going on with your computer? It's doing its nut. It's 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 on its last legs. This computer, so it oh. starts booting up and closing down and flashing and God knows what. Oh, if anyone right. smells burning, shortly it'll be my Mac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're um, they're when when Pat and Tony uh, were farming in the early eighties, they were somewhat revolutionary. They were organic and they were pushing the envelope, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And other farmers and other people in the village said viewed them as slightly wacky didn't they you know they were slightly yeah. out there and tom has all of his ideas uh, 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 tom and natasha have, have their various ideas and and i and i believe it's kind of exactly the, the, the same setup yeah. and yeah. they have or at least natasha has a very different sensibility towards money than i would guess most farmers do because i see farmers yeah. as being somewhat conservative by nature you know, because you know they're custodians. That's exactly what they do. Whereas it's somebody who is somewhat, um, as you would say, maybe much more fly by night. You know, but other, other than that, you know, and I think the other echo, I think to really tell us that they are Pat and Tony, but a 2019 version is the fact that she's Welsh as well. I'm sure that's not yeah. by accident. You yeah. know, they're, they're kind of thrown that in. Uh, right, so we are rattling through the caller inners. We have <coughs> Mia, and then Mia will be followed by Andy. But first, here's um, our Mia. Hi, Royfield, Lucy, and all Dumpty Dum peeps worldwide. This is Mia in Newcastle, caller innering. Nasha and Sausage <laughs> Boy. Genuinely can't bear the thought that I have something in common with Tom vis a vis clearing my credit card to zero each month. But I am on the wrong side of 50, so I guess I'm of that generation. I think Natasha, on the other hand, is in the age group that accumulated a lot of debt. Maybe uh, the free and easy type of of living before the financial crash 10 years ago. She does seem very flippant about it. But I am livid that Tom made a unilateral decision to cancel the house deposit, whether or not it was the right decision. He's a married man now, (coughs) God help us. And he needs to behave accordingly. Marriage is a partnership after all. And these big decisions need to be discussed together. Anyway, that's all from me. I hope to see some of you Dumpty Dummers at the Academic Archers Conference in Sheffield next week or at the the Birmingham Day together in May. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye, Mia. Yes, I know. I couldn't believe he'd done that. And we didn't get to hear her reaction. That was really annoying. Mm. Um, she just sort of went, uh, he said, and that's why I've I've cancelled the deposit. And then it just went, dumped the other And I thought, what? No, I wanted to hear her going nuts. And we didn't. It's very irritating. Mm. It, it was um, a, 
kind of, I was going to say new Tom, not quite a new Tom, but um, a different side of Tom. The fact that, you know, he had his, uh, to use uh, Theresa May's a red line and he went, no, that's it. Uh, one thing I think is fascinating about this is if you look at all the socials, the Archer's socials, whether it's Twitter or Facebook and the various forums, this has completely spit people down the middle. And there are people that say things like, um, <clears throat> it's her money, so what? Um, mm. There are other people that say, well, no, it's now his worry as well. Then there are people that yeah. say he should be worried, but he shouldn't have spoken to her like that. You know, it goes on and, and on and there's also people on. like me who say, how the bloody hell did they get a massive bank loan when she'd got 15 grand in outstanding debt? Because you have to declare it all. That is true, Lucy. But I, hmm, that is very true. Hmm. But then again, no, I was alone because I was just about to say that because they sat on that million quid that or upwards no, she of a kept million. Saying, no, it was alone, but, yes. And that's the reason why she then needed yeah. her 3% or yeah. whatever off, sk skimming yeah. off the top of it, each transaction. Yeah. Yes, you're completely yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sympathetic bank manager. You don't have those anymore, do you? No, well, you don't all... have a bank manager. You have an algorithm. Yeah. But, you know, that, that would have, um, you know, that would have come up in the, in the conversation with the bank manager and Tom would have known. He would have said to her, right, we need to get the figures together to present to the, to the, to the bank to get the, the loan. And uh, she would have said, right, this is what I've got, this is what I've got, da, 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 and they'd have got the loan between them. So there's no way they could have done it without. Uh, it's a long time since I got a bank loan of any type, right, like 20, 30 years even, right? So take that under advisement with what I'm about to say. But if they're going to the bank and they say, we uh, want to have this new business venture, surely the bank manager or the algorithm, whatever, is just looking at the income from their business. <clears throat> it's not as if they're saying we want to have an extension on our flat, you know, uh, which is all about, um, in effect, personal income. This is the business, and they're extending the. But when business. you look at your business, don't they? Don't they look at your debts that you? But that's your personal, personal debt as opposed have. to business debt. <coughs> oh, okay. So, oh well, maybe they're right then. But as I said, you know. It's at least 20 years since I got Cosmo. anything. Thank you, Cosmo. Co please, call please. Cosmo. Yeah. And yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Now, that was that was Mia. From, I'm, and I know Mia has bought her tickets this morning for the BBC tour because I saw her name come well up. Well done. Like, Look, so I can't Quick wait work. to meet you, Mia. Uh, I'll be awesome. Uh, now, our last caller in of the day is Andy. Guess where he's from? Denmark. Hi, Lucy and Royfield. It's Andy from Denmark Hello. again. Now, just a quick uh, one from last week. I genuinely have never, ever heard the phrase sharing is caring, but I heard it twice within about four minutes in the same episode. <laughs> uh, firstly, it was Pip who said it to um, Toby yeah. when she uh, wanted to have a munch of his pasty, which yeah. I expect Lucy will be referring to in her monologue. <laughs> and then Not about, at all. Uh, yeah, four minutes later, it was... Elizabeth said it to Russ when he was tucking yeah. into some apple pie, which I think we know where that's going, Lucy. Anyway, yes. it was really strange. I'd never heard it before, and I heard it twice. Now, I agree with Royfield that I think 
Elizabeth will crack on to Russ because I think Russ genuinely loves Lily. And I think Elizabeth will be the one that cracks on to him and he will Ooh. turn her down and uh, it will make her relapse, I think, in her depression, possibly. Um, now, just a quick one regarding Royfield referring to uh, christenings for people who aren't Christians. I vehemently disagree with that because uh, I understand what you were saying, Royfield, about uh, welcoming them um, into a certain community and a, a lot of the reason you did it was for your own family but uh, I personally find it hypocritical if you're uh, not a believer then you shouldn't be having christenings in church if you want to celebrate the child's birth then just have a massive party surely but anyway <laughs> I'm a staunch atheist so maybe that's where I'm coming from anyway keep up the good work the last podcast was absolute quality ciao <laughs> uh, well, I suppose... Can we legally adopt Andy? Is that possible at all? Do you think? <laughs> I don't know what the Danish laws are about adoption, no. uh, adult adoption, Lucy. I, I don't know. Then again, also, the... it would make him a mixed race baby. <laughs> so he might, he might have a problem with that as well. I don't know. <laughs> or be, you know, be from a blended family, a blended family. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I without wanting to repeat myself um but my family is very important to me and my family traditions are very important to me um and that's the reason why I, I, i did what i did back in 2001 when noah was uh christened i wasn't a buddhist then and i still don't think that my buddhism is uh makes it uh verboten that i can go into a church and even sing sing a hymn um when I, when I do those things, I do them um, because they mean something to me. You know, I did grow up going to um, going going to a Methodist church, and and it fills me with some level of fondness and and and, and some level of comfort. Do I believe that Jesus Christ was the absolute Son of God? No, I believe he said uh, when he called God his father he said he's everyone's father that he was a man who was um, a prophet and a sage and he wasn't divine so that's the reason why i'm i'm not a christian though i believe in many tenets of christianity and and always will do and as i said it means a lot to my father and my mother and uh, and and other and, and other people within my family so i wouldn't break with with family tradition by not having uh, my son or daughter christened and I don't think that makes me hypocritical because um, I don't read the Bible but I'm quite conversant with it you know but I don't believe that Jesus was divine and I don't believe that God is a, somebody who sits on a golden throne with a big white fluffy beard you know but I believe in many tenets of, of the Bible of the, of the good book you know so I'm, I can sit quite comfortably with the fact that my son put on a christening gown and has God parents um oh. you know so you know and i'm quite proud of, of of that day and and it meant a lot to me and to my grandmother who's now passed and when, when i told her he's going to be christened in a methodist church she cried you know and um and she spent you know her last three four years in the uk going to church every sunday and doing things around the church 
as a frail elderly West Indian woman, and that that and so it was, it was important for her that her grandson was. And, mm-hmm. and maybe I've just been cynical, Lisa, just hedging my bets, just in case there is a God. You know, I was you know hedging my bets with my son. I don't know. That's not the way that I'd view it. But if someone wants to be cynical about it, they can say maybe that's what I did. But you know, I did it for my family. Yes. Well, I'm sorry, Andy, but sometimes mummy and daddy have to talk to you like that. <laughs> Freeman. Um, do we have any emails? Oh, there's a... <coughs> we do. <coughs> Voice is going now. Uh, from Christine Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is formerly cycling Christine, but now oh, gardening yeah. Christine, mm-hmm. since we have moved near to Worcester to a bungalow with a large garden. Mm-hmm. I feel as though we are in Ambridge territory, especially as I did my first shift last week in the newly opened community village shop. We have very nice green tabards. Thank you for asking. Um so they wanted to say how much I enjoy the direction of the Tom and Natasha storyline. Truly feels like a Marion haste, repent at leisure morality tale. Apart from Tom unilaterally cancelling the flat without discussing it first, which was terrible. My sympathies were mainly with him until he started splashing the cash and eating out at Grey Gables. What an idiot. As a former accountant who likes to know where every penny of expenditure goes and who would never spend money unless I knew I could pay the bill at the end of the month, I would really struggle with finding out my other half had large credit card bills and a reckless attitude to spending. It also seemed very much that the picture of Natasha as a successful businesswoman is all facade. Here, here. So now we find out she has backers and therefore the business is not all hers. How much actually belongs to her and how much profit is she actually making? Is she spending all her time going around telling people how to be successful when her business isn't, but she just has a flash car, flash clothes and creates that impression? Also, what on earth are she and Tom doing borrowing money from the bank to go it alone on their app business when Bridge Farm has hundreds of thousands of pounds looking for a productive home? This made no sense. Still, seems like a good contemporary storyline to me. Regards, Christine. Thank you, Christine. Mm. Nicely (coughs) summarised there. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, Is that the end of the uh, emails? It is. We need to start winding up now because my voice is killing me. All right, cool. All right, it's uh, it's the time where I say it's advertisements time. So you'll hear some ads if you're somewhere that plays ads on a Dumbly Dum podcast. All right, then off mic, I'm gonna hit play on Millie Bell and I'm gonna run downstairs because I've only got three percent left on on me on my battery life. All right, so I'm gonna okay. disappear for a bit and have a quick wee, but I will be back. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Good day, everyone. Well, a couple of housekeeping things to deal with before I get to the social media roundup. Uh, first of all, a few of us have been having problems downloading the podcast, the, both the uh, Omnibus and <coughs> the ones during the week. They will often say they're downloading and then they don't. So I decided I would contact the BBC. Let me tell you, that's not a user-friendly website. I went round and round in circles <laughs> for quite some time before I managed to submit anything. Uh, but I did get a lovely reply from James Curran of BBC iPlayer and BBC Sound Support Team who said, thank you for contacting BBC Sound Support. I understand that you would like to know whether there has been an issue with the Archers podcast. I can confirm that last weekend there was an issue with the Archers omnibus. This was quickly fixed and we have had no other reported faults with the Archers episodes. Um, if you're still experiencing problems, can I ask how you are downloading the post podcast? Which is interesting because a number of us have been having sort of fairly regular, just in the last couple of weeks, uh, problems. So anyway, I hope they have got that fixed now, but I thought I'd better do the follow-up uh, for all of us. And also, I just wanted to uh, tell you about a few recommendations we've had uh, on the Facebook page. One is from Linda Balf, who says, Witty and very funny insights into life in Ambridge with a side of interesting discussion on other topics. Sometimes moving, sometimes hilarious. More of a community than simply a podcast. I thought that was so nice. Kate Lyle said that uh, Dumpty Dum is everything, humane, kind and witty. And Andrea Melling said, a lovely group of wise and friendly people who enjoy a witty and light-hearted examination of, of the soap opera they love on a weekly basis makes me smile i just need to take you up on that a little bit andrea it's not a soap opera it's a docudrama it is real isn't it and now to our facebook page lots and lots and lots happening on the facebook page uh claire asprey asked me to put up a poll asking whether tim when he had disappeared was off corralling cows honest or was he robbing a bank and we had yeah. uh, quite a few people um 155 people who responded and only eight of them thought he was corralling cows honest so nobody thinks <laughs> that he is being honest at all there and in that vein we continued with a, a, a more general question about was tim sitting with his feet up whilst ed did all the work and Leonie Beaver says, it doesn't matter as long as Eddie's played and declare, paid and declares his income. My latest theory is that he'll be fined by HMRC for tax evasion. And Fiona Crawford said, I think that job was just an alibi. Presume that's why his phone was off while he was away. But will Ed lie for him if quizzed by the police? And Kay Goff said, yes, or doing another job somewhere to pocket the cash on both, then give Ed half. When asked about the cows, he forgot for a moment. Yeah, I noticed that too. Um, and Andrew Melling said, Ed is a boxer from Animal Farm, hardworking but not very bright and easy yes. to exploit. Um, and Joanna Crow says he was definitely up to no good, and he wasn't. Uh, we have a post up letting us know that Emerald O'Hanrahan, who plays Emma Grundy, will be joining Lucy and Royf live in Birmingham on May the 11th. So you've got to join if you can. Oh, how much I wish I could join you all. And then the last episode with Freddie, 
I was um, just so amused because I thought that it kind of morphed from the arches to wind in the willows. And I was honestly yes. expecting Freddie to excitedly call out, pop, pop. Um, and it knocked on the head really quickly any suggestion that Freddie has changed from his experience. And Holly Gage said, I thought exactly the same. It was Mr. Toad. Uh, Denise Ann Smallwood said, I think Elizabeth is in for a rude awakening. She wants to wrap Freddie up in a cocoon, but she won't see him for dust. And once again, poor Lily will be left to pick up the pieces. Peter Brabham said, I was really glad Freddie hadn't changed. For all his front, though, I'm sure there'll be some reflection in the long, dark tea time of the soul. And... Uh, Al Williams said it was so toad. I hope he was wearing his driving goggles and tweed cap. <laughs> uh, Pat Rife Hanavan said, I was wishing justice once for the visual of Lily's face when Freddie hopped into the driver's seat and said, buckle up, ladies. <laughs> and I'm going to give the last word to Leslie Greaves, who said my immediate reaction as well, he'll dress up as a washerwoman to escape PC Burns next. Yes, I thought it was very, <laughs> yeah. very funny. And I honestly, I really did think he was going to say pop, pop. So another robot. Uh, we had a lot more discussions than that, obviously, on Facebook. We can't read them all out to you, so please come and join us if you would like to join in the discussion. And just to let you know, we have a steady about 40 to 50 people joining us a month, so we are gradually growing in our community, and we encourage all of you to get involved. Uh, next week, it will be the wonderful Yokel Bear, and don't forget that Witherspoon also jumps in from time to time too, so you could be talking to any of us, and you could be talking to any of you. So, until the next time I speak to you in a fortnight, I say, hooroo! Hooroo, Millie, and thank you for that, as always. Uh, Lucy, uh, show some mirror headlines, yes. followed by some tweets of the week. Yep, uh, right, mirror headline is... Man performs bizarre sex dance for angry pheasant while wearing G-string. <laughs> Why was the pheasant angry? Do we know? Does the article I tell us? I don't know. No, I don't. I didn't read the. I don't read the articles. I just laugh my head off at the headlines and move on. Um. Right. Whoops. Oh, I've now dropped my mic. Hang on. Right. Okay. Tweets of the week. Marie Anne McKee. I really hoped Freddie would return as a silent character. <laughs> um, Esther Pickle. You didn't get the 16th century Pargeter christening gown, Lily. You got the 1970s Archer polyester christening gown from the Underwood sale. Had to be let out because you were such a fat baby. <laughs> That's pretty much what she said. Uh, the Cross Fox. Every 18-year-old jailbird loves daffodils. Uh, Jasper Barry. Confession, I am beginning to thoroughly dislike Rosie. I think everyone saying how wonderful she is just reminds me of Pip. It'll only be a matter of months before David praises her farming skills and Ruth says she has a way with cows. And <coughs> tweet of the week is from Archer's Goddess. Say what you like about Natasha, but you have to give her credit. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, well done. Well done. Well done. Right, folks, uh, we're going to try and wrap this up r rather quickly uh, because Lucy's about to expire on us. Don't forget, if you can get yourself down to Toronto, there is a meetup on Saturday, April the 13th, uh, starting at uh, 4 p.m. in the Kensington Market neighborhood. And I love Kensington. Um, it's kind of like a a scruffy Notting Hill uh, circa 1970s with, with a bit of Camden thrown in. Absolutely lovely. If you want to come down and join uh, Christina 
and Mary and the other 18 or so people who are flying in from all over North America to be there. Um, you can uh, tweet at Saturn Express, that's Christina on the Twitters, or Pink Peonies 2013 at gmail.com uh, to get yourself uh, all the details that you need to be there. And don't forget, there is Dum De Dum Live, that's Lucy and I with Emerald O'Hanneran. Um, at Birmingham Town Hall, and that is on Saturday, May the 11th at 7.30. The price of the tickets is uh, 12 quid. You can get them uh, via the uh, Birmingham Town Hall website, and if you can't Google that, so there's something wrong with you, but if you can't, just go to dumdydum.com, <laughs> follow the links. <laughs> follow the links, and uh, you can purchase yourself uh, some tickets. Oh, dear. And there will be a whole day of archers related celebration <laughs> and enjoyment. Um, so if you would like to come up to Birmingham a little bit earlier on Saturday, maybe you can join us at the BBC Birmingham tour of the Birmingham mailbox, where you will go into the archer studio and have some archers related fun. Those tickets are 15 quid. You can get those definitely from going on to dumdydum.com. So go to dumdydum.com, click on BBC tour. There's only 25 uh, places. So I presume that if you leave this until the weekend of this week and this podcast coming out, we'll have all gone. So literally first come, first serve. There will be dinner, which I will organise. I'm just waiting for a few places to come back to me and give, give me quotes. So dinner will be served at a, approximately 5.15 just before we go That's on stage. That's not dinner, that's tea. Whatever, right. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it supper? Um uh, no, that's nine. Food will be hot. Food will be served <laughs> <laughs> approximately five fifteen before we go on stage and do Dumpty Dum Live. Um, and remember, I said if you need uh, to, st- if you want to stay on in Birmingham that night, because I presume there will be drinks after Dumpty Dum Live, but I'm not doing a formal thing for that. Let me know via email, and if I get to the magic number of ten people saying that they would like me to try and sort out accommodation, I'll get a, a block booking. That will save us a few quid on that. Uh, quite simply, to email me, just go on to dumdydum.com, hit contact us, and uh, write me that email. Um, so dumdydum.com, go to the Scholar Shop. People are buying things on the shop, and it's wonderful, and I thank you, and I thank you, thank you, thank you. Chloe Shastri bought a Dumdydum mug today. Uh, and So just people are buying stuff. It is great. I will put more stuff on there when I've got the time to do so. Um, Patreon. Um, if you want to go and support uh, the Lucy and Royfield efforts to keep Dum De Dum, the show that we all love on the road, when you go to patreon.com, donate $2 per show. And then as of when we have extra special content, i.e. we speak to the actors and the people behind the scenes of the archers, you get that and the other tight wads that don't give us any old money, uh, they, you know, you get that and you get something which they don't get. This is a new technique. It Rather is. than encourage, we're now insulting the Absolutely, people. Absolutely, actually. I've been doing this for five years. I think people know the cut of my jib by now, Lucy. Uh, also, uh, just whilst you're at it, um, if you haven't done so already, why don't you go to Apple iTunes and write us a review? 
it's a great way of us getting new listeners onto the show because the, the more reviews and the higher ratings we get, the more we are exposed and we go up those iTunes charts. So write us a review. If you think we're shite, uh, still write it and be honest. If you think we're good, uh, write that as well. So good. Now, remember, to get in contact with us, you can send us a message via, uh, via SpeakPipe on our website or you can call us on 0203 to leave us a message via an ordinary phone. On Twitter, you can find Yokel Bear. He's at Dumdy Dum. Yokel Bear is also at Yokel Bear, by the way. Lucy is at Lucy B. Freeman. I'll say it for her because she can't talk and she's copying in the background. I can be found at Royfield on Facebook. Simply type in Dumdy Dum to find Yokel Bear, Millie Bell, and Witherspoon. Lucy? Yep. Have you made it through the show? Just about. All right. You know what you need to do? Get that photographer to give your chest a good rub. Get the Vicks out, chest a good rub. <laughs> Make everything feel better. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's me done. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.